Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crowtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a good Monday to you, T.C. Martin, live here on this Monday as we recap a very, very busy sports weekend, specifically the NFL, what we saw yesterday, and then, of course, on the college side as well. Another guest-driven show today. Matthew Hold will join us from U.S. Integrity. We'll talk about the underdogs coming through once again. 12-4 and four last week, 9-6. and six. So far on Sunday, so we'll talk to Matt uh, regarding that. Plus, we are going to visit with Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, who covers just about everybody and everything from the RJ. Saw Sam at the UNLV-Iowa State game on Saturday night. And, of course, the Las Vegas Aces and the Raiders as well, too. So Sam will join us next hour. And our resident comedian, our diehard silver and black fan, Dennis Gaxiola, yeah, he's pretty excited. Uh, he's 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 going crazy with the Raiders being two and zero right now. So we'll have a little fun with Dennis today. Of course, Bay Area native. He's uh, joined us before. He was all excited. He was actually in attendance at Allegiant Stadium for the opener as the Raiders beat the Ravens last Monday night, and uh, very excited that the Raiders are now two and zero. So uh, we'll have a good time with our resident comedian Dennis Gaxiola. So that's all good, and we're graced with the presence. Of Stevie Slapshot, who is hanging out with us uh, for this segment. Wait a minute. It is not hockey season. I cannot call him Stevie Slapshot. It's just like VGK Frank. I kind of I refrain from VGK Frank during anything outside of the hockey season, Slapshot. So you've had to go gone by something else prior to your hockey guru-ness. So at one time I was referred to as Stevie Big Dog. Just because <laughs> the, guy, the, guy, the, guy, the guy I worked for said I was his man. I was the guy that he could count on, so he called me Stevie Big Dog. I've I've got Stevie Stivarm as as a Twitter account. I've got I have to yeah I have to follow all these sports and I have different Twitter accounts for for each sport. So if you want to go football now, we can go Stevie Stivarm if you want. I love that Stevie Stivarm. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. That that could be uh, that could be taken a couple different ways there. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> did you know did you know Stifler's mother? By the way. <laughs> <laughs> She then became, um, what was the show with the two waitresses in New York City? Stifler's mother became okay. became the girl with the with the big breasts, the, the European girl. It's the same actress. Which two, which two broke girls? Two broke. Yeah, yeah, that was Stifler's mother. Yes, that's funny. So I I just saw a a post yesterday about um, that somebody was an alumnus of of uh, this school. And they listed these people that went to school there, and one was Stifler's mother. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. To go along with some other very famous people. Okay. So, uh, and I don't know what made me think about that, but you know, uh, Stevie Stiffar Stifler's <laughs> mother. I've no which I know you can relate to that, right? Yeah. American Pie, right? Well, so here's the thing right. about American Pie for right. me. So, the, right. so the guy that wrote the song, right? He's he's got he, he copyrighted American Pie. Don McLean. He, yes. co- he, he So he bye owns, bye Miss American Pie. All right. How from did my Chevy to the levee? For the levee was dry. And held it for all that. That song came out in 72? Correct. All right. Held the rights to that name for all those years. How did he know that this movie series was going to become what it did? And he's made all you know these many more millions off of having the copyright to that name. So wait a minute. So he has a song called American Pie. Right. And that gives him the rights for a movie title? So what he copyrighted the term American Pie. Uh-huh. All right, so he did that when the, after the song came out and had all the popularity. Right. So then if you want to use American Pie for the name of your movie, you had to pay him because he had copyrighted that term, that title. But, but what I want to know is how, how he held it for so long and yeah. did nothing. How did he know before that, that, that this movie could have been nothing, right? And yet, how many how many sequels did they have? Like five. Yeah. I don't so know if that many, but yeah, and they so, were all pretty bad after that, weren't they? But but he has still made millions of dollars yeah. off of those movies because he ha- because he copyrighted the. I, so I don't think he had a vision. I mean, how could he have a vision in 1972 that they were going to make a movie titled that? You know, some. 30-plus years later, I, right? I don't think so either. But here's the other thing, Doctor. He, he turned down other opportunities to, to, to cash in on that. I, I, how did he know that this particular movie was going to do what it did? Uh, so are you telling me, what if somebody had a baking company called American Pie? He can't have rights on that. You, so you're saying that the actual term, so he copied... You know what I'm saying? He copyrighted yeah. that that he did. that that term for that song. Correct. Okay, but if anybody else has, and I'm sure there's plenty of businesses out there that have American Pie something or other, right? If 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 they are, yeah. then they are infringing on his copyright. They're doing it illegally. Now, is he going to go chase them down? Probably not. You know, if it's a local bakery right. and. You know, DeKalb, Wisconsin, you know, they're not, they're not he's not going to DeKalb would be actually Illinois, wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 they're, they're, yeah. I know what you're saying. I, 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 I thought you were going to go somewhere in Pennsylvania. I was trying to think of a random city in Pennsylvania, you know. I don't know. Scott Wilkesbury? That's good. That's good. I never understood why they get two names, you know. And so, Brian, I believe, yeah. Brian Bressing is yeah. from there, and yeah. he refers to it only as Wilkesbury. Really? He, he will not give Scranton credit. I don't know why. I heard I a lot of people say Scranton, PA. Right. I don't hear him say Scranton slash Wilkesbury, but, yeah. but at any rate, that is interesting. And again, how long does that copyright stand for? Because we know that, like, when you want to use, say, uh, older songs, there's like a there's like a limit, like a fifty year limit, right. you know, archival, you know, becomes, and then you know, you, it you don't becomes have to, public domain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, so but, but, but again, with I, this. He, he copyrighted those two words together is mm. essentially what the deal is, and I'm. As you say, I'm sure he's got to renew that copyright, yeah. Yeah. right, with dollars every so often. I don't know what the term. So, but anyway, so do we know that 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 people had to the the producers of this movie had to cash him off? Yes, we know that for a fact. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, he got paid. He got paid. He got paid. 
Don McLean. Not, yeah. not writing any more songs, but you know there yeah. is. <laughs> not to be confused with the Don McLean who played for UCLA. UCLA. There you go. Oh, he was great at UCLA. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Murray, one of Tracy Murray's uh, buddies yeah. you know, from, from UCLA. And so. now doing broadcasting, right, TC? Who's that? Don Tra- McLean. Don, Don could – I know Tracy's doing the radio broadcast for UCLA. We talk about that all the time, but Don might be. I think he Is works he? for the Pac-12 network, I think. You could be right about that, yeah. yeah. Licensing American Pie. We have breaking news here. So, yeah, commercial or promo, television show, film, wedding video, app or video games – Cover songs, YouTube video, product like a toy or a greeting card, uh, any private use, public performance, a book, quoting lyrics, a movie trailer. There you go. All those things. He's got to be a billionaire now. Wow. To have the wherewithal, like you said, the foresight in 1972 to come up with that. Just amazing. and, And he's kind of private he can be a little off-putting in interviews and whatever yeah. he probably won't ever tell us you know how how he knew or or why he did that and that's the thing he really didn't have any major hits after that right yeah there, there I mean, were he two, had a couple right? songs there, there was, ca- uh, castle castle in the sand castles in the sand and then something to do with van gogh right uh, what, what, yeah but those were minor hits compared yeah, they to were, american high correct Vin- vincent that was the name of the song yeah, vincent yeah 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 wow interesting who knew this? I call Stevie Slapshot, Stevie <laughs> Stiff Arm in, and Stifler's mother takes us to Don McLean, not just the singer-songwriter, but, uh, but the basketball player as well, too. So, uh, and I wanted to ask you questions about the Raiders, because I'm sure. not sure who, what this team sure. is. Go ahead. You, well, so they're, they're 2-0, and oh, I, but and, you know, a win in the NFL is a win in the NFL, right? That means something, yep. but... I'm not overly impressed. I, I just wanted to get your feelings. Um, the general manager that they brought in, Mike, Mike Mayock, Mayock yep. who, who I so much respected for his work on NFL Network and when he did color for the Notre Dame games, he is so intelligent. Uh, intelligent. But I feel like he's reached on some of his draft picks. In other words, taking a guy in the second round, he could have got in the third round. Therefore, it infects, affects the depth of your team because you're not getting – you know, second round, third round guys. Now you've got two third round guys on your team, and then Gruden. I when, when he was first coaching uh, the Raiders, fully respected the guy. He got to Tampa, and it, it felt like it went downhill. Then takes ten years off, and I don't know what the Raiders expected out of him. But uh, to me, I, I don't know how good of an NFL coach he is right now. So I so 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 your thoughts are. Are you impressed with what the Raiders have done so far this year? Or do you see things that might be a problem down the road for them? So I'll say this. I, I am impressed at victories over the first two opponents they had. Okay, with Baltimore and with Pittsburgh, both underdogs. Mm-hmm. First game at home, obviously, but they were still an underdog. Going on the road at Pittsburgh, you know, getting six, six and a half, they, they pull it off. But when you do a deeper dive into both of those teams – they both have some serious question marks this year. Right. And a lot of people will look at Baltimore and what they did last night with Kansas City. Okay, great come from behind victory. Mm-hmm. But still, and everyone wants to praise Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson was not real good last night. He had two interceptions. He did. He was careless with the football. And that Kansas City defense was atrocious for the most part. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people today in Kansas City are blaming Patrick Mahomes for that loss. I want to blame the Chiefs for the loss because they played not to lose. They led that entire game until 
you know, Baltimore took the lead at 36-35 and still had the chance to go right down the field. And they moved right down the field and handed the ball off to Edwards Hilaire and playing not to lose. Mm -hmm. They could have stuck it in the end zone if they wanted to by continuing to go through the air. There was no answer for Travis Kelsey. There was no answer for Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs gifted that game to the Ravens, a team that should be 0-2 right now. So with all that being said, the Raiders have looked good from an offensive standpoint. I did not think that they were going to put up, you know, over 400 plus yards against the Ravens on the opener Monday night. Now, granted, we saw them do that last year against the Saints in the opener. You have all the pomp and circumstance. You have all the hype. And let's remember, what they start the season out last year? I forget. Two and zero. Okay. They start off two and zero. All right. And what happened? Not not very much. Right. <laughs> and then when you start out two and zero, the odds of you making the playoffs is like 68. Yeah. percent Okay, it's like it's like you're you're going there, right. and then they didn't. They played well on the road last year. They were six and two, so there was a, a lot of upside. But it was always the defensive side of the ball that you had to say, okay, this team is not going to go anywhere until they get better. So I've said that I really like the hire of Gus Bradley because he is a proven commodity as a defensive coordinator. He did it in Seattle. He did it with the Chargers. Even when he was with the head coach, he got his shot with Jacksonville. The defenses were still pretty darn good. They were the strengths of those Jacksonville teams. So not just having Gus Bradley come in, that's one thing, but the personnel that he had to work with in the beginning was not so much. So what did he do? He went to John Gruden and Mike Mayock and said, I need to get some of my guys in here. And that's what he did when he went and got Denzel Perryman, who is great with the Chargers. You know, he's injured right now. Okay, He went and got uh, Casey Hayward, who had great years with the Chargers and with the Packers uh, as well, too. And then he goes and gets K.J. Wright, who is part of that big Legion of Boom defense in Seattle. So I think those three guys and then other uh, free agents they got, Ngakwe from Baltimore, all of a sudden now you've got six new starters on this defense. And you got a new voice a new leader on the defensive side of the ball. So for me, that was the key. And when you look at these two games, the Baltimore game and specifically yesterday's game against Pittsburgh, the defense won the Raiders the game yesterday. They frustrated Ben Roethlisberger. They held the Pittsburgh Steelers to 39 yards running the football. Think about this. This vaunted Steelers game, James Conner isn't there anymore, but they got Najee Harris. And just a great draft pick, Alabama. He was phenomenal against Buffalo in week number one. He's phenomenal in the preseason. And Najee Harris is going to be a great running back. But when the Raiders shut him down and shut down Roethlisberger, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So I guess the long-winded answer to your question is, I, I think the Raiders are going to be a better team than, than last year's version. No doubt about it. But it's because of the upgrade in the defense. It's going to be. It's because of Gus Bradley, and we're starting to see Derek Carr really flourish. But it is two games. They did beat two good opponents, so I think you know the hype is is justifiable for now. But the Raiders are going to have to stay healthy. And like you, I still have some question marks with Gruden, with play calling, um, you know, and even you know maybe talent evaluation a little bit with Mayock as well too. But you know, good start for the Raiders. But I don't think that we should just start. You know, pencil on this team in for the playoffs quite yet. Well, so yesterday, Pittsburgh's on on the backslide, in my opinion. They're 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 not they're not going to be as good going forward as they were 
um, with Roethlisberger at the helm. He's he's at the end of his career. So I, I didn't, you know, it, but still, it's an NFL road win. Um, that's impressive. What 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 you just said to me, I, I, I'm going to watch now with, with, with Gus Bradley and the defense and see if that defense can improve week to week. If they can, then I feel much better about the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, let's take a uh, listen to some of the highlights yesterday. So the Raiders get the victory 26-17. to Like we said, very impressive. Derek Carr, 28 for 37 yesterday, 382 yards. You know, Derek Carr is leading the NFL in in total yards right now for quarterbacks, I did not know that, well. 817 yards. Again, I mean he he lit it up against Baltimore for 435, 382 yesterday, two touchdown passes and no interceptions. Uh, in again, you know, so the Raiders yesterday they were leading nine to seven. It was a close battle, dead under yesterday, and then uh, Derek Carr, you know, got things going and got the Raiders uh, into the end zone to extend the lead in the third quarter. Shotgun, Carr, lost it, touchdown, Foster Moreau, the Raiders cash in, and they're getting it done through the air. They definitely got it done through the air. They didn't get it done uh, on the ground. You had no Josh Jacobs yesterday because of injury, so the Raiders only rushed for about 40 yards. But, uh, yeah, they got it through the air. I believe that Carr targeted, what, seven uh, different receivers yesterday, Everybody contributing. Foster Moreau is a guy that John Gruden has talked about. He loves him at the tight end position. And Darren Waller was pretty much bottled up yesterday. Mike Tomlin and that Pittsburgh defense, they're famous, you know, for, for taking away, you know, your your featured receiver, even though that, that Waller's a tight end. But we saw Waller get free a little bit in the in the fourth quarter. But uh, you know, kudos to Carr and Gruden for being able to target, you know, all of those different guys. So the Raiders, you know, had that victory when we thought that Pittsburgh was gonna come back yesterday, but then, you know, that extended uh, uh, the lead there for the Raiders. So then again, you know, Raiders have a two point lead after, after Pittsburgh responds, and then probably the big crushing blow, Derek Carr struck again and this time deep. Four guys to try and get him down in the backfield. Third down and ten. Airing it out. Carr. It is caught. Henry Ruggs is gone. Touchdown Raiders. Sprinter speed. Just throw it up there if you're Derek Carr and let Ruggs go and get it. 61 yards. So you talk about Mike Mayock's draft choice of Henry Ruggs. He probably reached for Henry Ruggs. You know, they're, they're, you know, Henry Ruggs was not the best receiver at Alabama, and they've had a stellar receiving cores, but John Gruden, Mike Mayock, they love that speed factor, and uh, that basically put the game out of reach at that point in time, 23-14. to It was a two-score game at that point in time, and, the, and then that was it. But, you know, give Ruggs credit. I mean, you go back to Monday night at Allegiant Stadium, and same thing. This was a third-and-ten play where Carr – hit the 61-yarder, two rugs, just lofted it up and let him run under it. Same thing that we saw down the right sideline against Baltimore on a third-and-ten play, and that got the Raiders into the end zone, uh, or, or led to the Raiders getting in the end zone uh, as Ruggs uh, caught a huge uh, uh, pass there. And like John Gruden talked about yesterday, you know, say what you want about Ruggs. He's been under heavy scrutiny, but... He got the job done against Kansas City last year, the Jets last year, the game winner. So uh, Henry Ruggs, he's got the speed. 
but the Raiders don't seem to target him enough. Now, yesterday they made a they made a conscious effort to target him seven times. Maybe that's because Waller was covered up so much. But Ruggs came through yesterday. I, I think he's one of those options that he, he when we were drawing up plays in the in the uh, in the dirt, right? Yeah. He's the bottle cap that's the straight line, right? 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 Up, right, up the right, field. right. So, Go deep. Yeah. So and and when you have Waller you, again. Yesterday, Pittsburgh kind of put a stop to him at the beginning, but he's always available across the middle. So, so dunk, 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 and then all of a sudden, somebody forgets to cover rugs, and he's wide open, you know, down the sideline. Right. So here's John Gruden talking about that touchdown pass to Henry Henry Ruggs yesterday. And we spent a lot of time up there trying to come up with a good play that gives our guys a chance, and that's just a very small percentage. That's one of the reasons why we took rugs, you know. He blew the, blew the top off an arrowhead who helped us win that game and the Jets. And today that was a big play. Not many guys can run that fast and track the ball. So without getting any specifics, it was certainly a big play. But the protection with the revolving door we've had up front in a critical moment and the throw with a quarterback that's hurt, there's a lot of good stuff there to go around. Yeah, Pittsburgh was totally fooled on that play too. Ruggs was, was wide open. It was definitely a blown coverage. But, you know, when you lose guys like Nelson Aguilar, who turned out to probably, I think, be bigger for the Raiders than they thought that he would be yeah. last year, then he gets away. I mean, you re- look at this wide receiving depth right now. You know, he lost Amari Cooper a few years before right. that. It's just like, who, who are the go-to guys at the wide receiver spot? They're great with Josh Jacobs. You know, you're great at Darren Waller, the tight end position. But wide receiver, like you said, still a, a pretty big question mark. So when you, you get, you know, production like you got from Ruggs yesterday – and Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. a, a guy too that you know came out of Clemson. That I loved Hunter Renfro, Clemson, but he was kind of you know one of these unsung guys, you know, in the NFL draft. So yeah. if those two guys could continue on and the way Carr is playing, hey, you know, Raiders got something going. And again, when, when Jacobs gets back, now now you, now you can run. Uh, now now you can go you know across the middle with your passing, draw the defense up, and then Ruggs becomes effective. Yeah. So the Raiders have so many injuries, and Gruden had talked about Josh Jacobs, talked about the revolving door on the offensive line. Here's Gruden talking about overcoming the injuries. Well, it says a lot about the development of our team. You know, we had Brandon Parker playing right tackle. Leatherwood had an oblique strain. Uh, obviously, Denzel and Richie aren't playing. It's a credit to Cable and Illuminor and we had guys on call ready to go. I can't tell you, Peyton Barber came in here, did a nice job. So uh, just really proud of our coaches and our players. The effort is, is outstanding. If you're a Raider fan, you'd really like these guys. All right, there's uh, John Gruden talking about overcoming the injuries and then the success that we talked about. They were 2-0 and last year, all right? Can they build on that? Here's Gruden talking about the early success and being 2-0. and yeah, we're, we're going to try to keep building on the good and to correct the things we think we can improve at. Obviously, uh, Edwards had a beautiful touchdown call back in the red zone and made some nice plays as well. So um, just a collective effort by all three phases. That's what you have to do to win in this league on the road against a good team. All right, and you have to have a good quarterback as well, too. And wouldn't you agree that we're seeing the best Derek Carr that we've seen so far any time in his career? Yeah, and I just it reminded me when Gruden was talking there that that they've got Knicks on that offensive line. Imagine when they get those guys back, and Carr has even more time to throw the ball. You know, you go back and you look at Gruden, and you mention him. You know, with his time at um, the Raiders before in Tampa Bay or whatever. You know, it took Rich Gannon about three seasons <laughs> before he got it. You know, with the Raiders, and then had a fantastic you know year with the Raiders. 
do you maybe make those parallels that, okay, maybe just it takes a quarterback time, even though Carr was always kind of a smart guy, and, you know, I think a lot of people thought he would have success earlier on, but, hey, you know, now into, you know, seasons three, four with Gruden, then maybe the the light's coming on. And I use the Gannon example because that does – you know, I just it, it kind of clicks. I I kind of remember that. Yeah, that's a good point, TC. I think I when I first saw uh, Derek come, coming out of Fresno, go dogs. Um, he the first two years with the Raiders, r- really good. Got yeah. got rid of the ball fast. Uh, knew where he was going with it. The guy, you know, he read defense as well. He always hit the open guy right. And then it seemed to backslide a little bit. And maybe that's Gruden coming in, and he had to you know relearn an offense. And now maybe he's you know figuring out and, and grasping it, and that's why he's playing better. Well, I, I just let his performance speak for itself. I've been I've been clamoring about Derek Carr since I've been here, so. Hopefully he gets some recognition for doing what he did today. You know, he had some long drives. He was uh, big again at the end of the game against two great defenses two weeks in a row, and it's a big reason why we've been able to win. All right. And then John Gruden also talking about winning on the road, how important that is, especially being an underdog yesterday in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Raiders have had success during his tenure on the road. Six and two last year on the road. So it's not like, you know, we're – Going home celebrating. We've got two wins, two AFC wins, and we got to get ready for Miami. So we're going to keep our level-headedness and um, proud of our accomplishments. Yet, I think this coaching staff and this team is is going to try to find ways to get better because we have to. We've got a number of injuries. If someone told you going back last year that the Raiders started the season two and zero with that big victory against the Saints last year, and they went six and two on the road. Do you think this this team would be a playoff team? Playoff team, sure, right, absolutely. But look what happened at home last year. Yeah, not 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 good. So yeah. Ho- yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they'll get that corrected. You mentioned yesterday's game. Both running backs, n- not not so many yards, and I've noticed that throughout the NFL, nobody's running the ball well. I, th- I think Henry had a hundred yards for Tennessee last year, but mm-hmm. I'm, as I'm doing stats over at the other job. A, a lot of the main backs for these teams, under 50 yards a game, TC, in these yes. games in the first two weeks. Yes, it's true. Well, Derrick Henry is the anomaly. He had 182 yards oh, yesterday, and most of that was in the second half. And they put up 532 yards on Seattle yesterday. And I like that because that was my best bet yesterday with, uh, with, with Tennessee. But, yeah, I think uh, Henry is an anomaly to a certain fact. You're right. I mean, we're not seeing Ezekiel Elliott put up big numbers. Right. You know, Saquon Barkley coming off that injury, really pretty much a non-factor. And yesterday, yeah, both teams in the Raiders-Steeler game, you know, not uh, getting it done on the ground. All right, uh, let's hear from Derek Carr on talking about having the weapons and talking about that TD to Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels so nice to have the guys to be able to do that, you know, because um, we, I had a read, I had a progression and all that kind of stuff just in case that wasn't there, uh, you know, that I could go through and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they they gave us a good look. Uh, almost got home with a blitz too. Uh, but but Henry, Henry's so fast, you know, speed kills. And that's one of the advantages of his speed showing up to where he could get open like that so fast and so quick. The, the blitz, you know, they, they didn't even, you know, uh, really. I mean, it got there, but I had time to throw it, you know. And so um, it was a progression. You know, it wasn't like a, oh, this is the time. Like, we were we were looking for it all game. They played played a lot of coverage, you know. Um, and I would, too, to Waller, you know. You don't want him to beat you on one play. You know, make him beat you eight times. So, uh, you know, they did a lot of things, but it was it was good. 
All right, uh, Derek Carr also talking about that, you know, this is kind of what he expected with, with this group. And uh, he said he's really not too surprised about the success that they're having. I mean, we, we run our stuff here in Las Vegas. We full confidence in our guys, and that's that's just how we play. And that's how we'll always play. We'll, we'll always be smart um, and, and not reckless, but but we just, we just play football. All right, they play football. So Derek Carr got injured yesterday. And I think there, there, you know, we saw him go to the sideline, and he got injured on that touchdown pass that he threw to Foster Moreau. And I think a lot of Raider fans are thinking, okay, whoa, what's going to happen here? Because remember, Marcus Mariota, he's out now. Right. I mean, they really they they don't have a backup. They don't. <laughs> you know. You know, unless you can, I guess, consider you know Nate Peterman, who was undefeated in the preseason, right? <laughs> yeah, Nate Peterman always plays well in the preseason, though. TC, right. it's, a, it's the regular season that gives him problems. That, yeah, that that was a little scary. I I, I felt really good when he got up and walked off on his own w- without a limp because I didn't. I I thought that was a leg injury, right. like like he had it at the end of the one year before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, that that was scary. All right, that so John scary. Gruden uh, talked uh, about that today too, saying he, he probably will be listed as questionable. They're going to keep an eye on uh, the injury. But here's Derek Carr after the game talking uh, about the touchdown pass and the injury. Yeah, from my vantage point, I saw 93 get outside leverage on you know on it, uh, which I knew that on Foster's corner right, I'd get the backs uh, his back to me so he wouldn't see the ball. And uh, I tried my best just get, just to put an accurate ball. I didn't think I was very accurate in the first half last week. Um, you know, if I'm honest, you know, I, I just didn't think it was up to my standards. And so it very emphasized that I set my feet. And I was like, man, I'm just going to make an accurate, try and make the most accurate throw that I can. And uh, right as soon as the ball was just coming down, that's when I got, I don't even know, hit, rolled up, I don't know, um, uh, on that moment. So I, I remember laying there, and uh, and Derek Carrier comes over, and, uh, everyone's like, all of a sudden I look up, there's 30 people, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, we'll be okay. Uh, but um, I asked, first thing I asked is, did he catch it? And then no one answered me. I was like, did he freaking catch it? You know, They're like, yeah, he caught it. I was like, all right, well then get me up, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carrier came over and a lot of my teammates, it was an amazing moment. Um, you know, I try, I try to be someone who gives so much, you know. And in that moment, they all came over and they all started like praying for me. And it was just this beautiful moment of my teammates like looking out for me, you know. And that right there is family to me. I didn't, I didn't really, I love the touchdown. Don't get me wrong, but that moment right there, I was like, man, I just want to win this game for this team, man. That, that's that is a beautiful, beautiful thing that happened. All right, uh, there, the, you know, the camaraderie, the chemistry is there. And you know what always helps, Stevie, as you know, is winning. Yeah, winning helps all of that. And the Raiders two and zero right now, and they're getting some great production. On both sides of the ball in the first two games. Were you a little surprised that the the offensive line in particular didn't you know go beat that guy up, whoever it was? Because that was that was a late hit. That should have been a flag. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You would think that, but again, you know, you've got some, you got a lot of subs in there on the on that offensive line. Yeah, it's true. not like you got like veterans like Richie Incognito. Yeah, that's right. Now, if Incognito was there, yeah, yeah, there's been trouble. Yeah. 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 You know, we already saw one ejection yesterday. You know, with Trey Turner for that Baltimore for spitting, and that was crazy. Yeah. And then you know, Harbaugh is, is saying, well, you know, wait a minute, uh, not Harbaugh, rather Tomlin is saying, hey, you know, 
he's going ballistic on the sideline. You know, you're going to kick my guy out? What about kicking their guy out and this and that? And the other side, they show Gruden just going, come on, man, let's freaking play already. Listen, you know, he got all fired up on the other side. It's like, forget this delay stuff. Let's play some ball. But, yeah, yeah, heated moments. And we go back. I mean, this is a heated rivalry. Sure. You know, say what you want. The Raiders have not been, you know, good over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. They really haven't been relevant. But, you know, people wanted to, of course, you know, play back the immaculate reception this past week and all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, for a lot of younger fans, they don't even remember that. But these are two iconic franchises. And yesterday was a very heated battle and turned out to be a pretty good football game. It was. You know, Carr was talking about going through his progressions. He is a you see so many even veteran quarterbacks that get locked on a guy on a play and they won't come off that guy. Right. He goes through his progressions. And I think part of that is his older brother, David. I bet they talk every week. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Derek will ask him, hey, this is what I saw. What did you see on film? And, and, and David helps him to get better you know, w- w- with every year of his career. Yeah, good point. Stevie, I appreciate you hanging in here you're today, welcome, man. Buddy. I know I know that you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. Do a fantastic job uh, before us with Brian Blessing. Uh, you can listen to those guys from uh, twelve to two here, of course. So uh, yeah, any anytime, man. You got the open door policy here, my friend. All right, all right. Uh, gift certificates, free food, anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there you go, free food. <laughs> you're, you're speaking my language. You like that? There it is. Jeez, and that's just for a segment. Can you imagine if I asked him to do like the whole two hours here? I'd probably, I mean, he'd probably be wanting blue ribbon of the Cosmopolitan or STK or something, right? A house. A house. A car. Exactly. <laughs> Escort this man out of the building, please. Okay. Before, before it costs me too much. Who are these two big guys coming to get me? All right. Stevie Slapshot, the handicapper, the handicapper extraordinaire as well, too. And Stevie... Big dog. Big dog, stiff arm. Oh, oh Stevie stiff arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Big dog and stiff arm. I, I like that. I, I, I'm a little bit worried when you're telling me that some guy is telling you, hey, uh, you know, you're my man. You're my dog. Yeah. You're my big dog. It's it, got me scared a little yeah, bit. It was, it was, it was uh, it's troubling to me, too, at times, TC, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Great stuff, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. When we come back, Matthew Holt will join us, and we'll talk uh, about those underdogs that covered the weekend, and we'll talk the college side, the NFL side, so don't you dare go anywhere it is a monday afternoon quarterback edition tc martin show (laughs) logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the doctor tc martin busy busy football weekend saturday on the college side sunday we'll get more into that as well next hour Matthew Holt joins us now from U.S. Integrity. Uh, Matt, what's going on, my man? TC, sort of a return to normalcy a bit this weekend as a lot of favorites getting the job done. Not necessarily covering, covering the spreads, but at least getting the victories this weekend as the betters having a much better weekend this weekend than they did in week one of the NFL season. This is true. Underdogs 9-6 in six so far as we head into tonight's final with uh, the Packers and the Lions. 12-4 and four the dogs were last week. So I'm, I'm wondering, Matt, are you thinking that, okay, we truly are seeing some parity here in the NFL, or is this maybe some mismanaged numbers? Because, again, two weeks in a row that we're seeing the dogs prevalent. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of both. And let's face it, some of those dogs were very close. 
Cincinnati, a two-and-a-half-point underdog, lost by three. The Rams, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, won by three. So, I mean, I think a lot of these prices ended up very close to the numbers, and one play in a bunch of those games could have sent this certainly nine-to-six and in favor of the favorites, you know, uh, instead of the underdogs with so many games ending up coin flips basically to the point spread. But I do think there's a lot of parity in the NFL. Hard salary cap leagues like the NFL mean it's, it's hard to maintain a team for a long period of time. What we have seen in the NFL is sort of two pathways to success. Pathway number one, you have a really good quarterback on his rookie deal, and you're able to build an amazing roster around him because he's on his rookie deal. Pathway number two, uh, the Tom Brady pathway, is you build around an amazing quarterback, give up some pieces, probably not going to have the best defense, but outscore your opponents like Kansas City, Tampa Bay, um, and because of that, I just think there's a lot of parity in the National Football League right now. You know, Matt, when we talked about the best bets last week, I had mentioned in, in my mindset going into the selections last week where I'm going to take the teams that I feel are very good and a lot of people were giving up on, and therefore we had some some numbers really kind of move, uh, you know, in in the direction that, that I liked. And I used the example like of, of Buffalo, Cleveland, Dallas, teams that played really really good in in or we expecting them to play better in Week One, and they were going to go ahead and bounce back. And I put the Packers in this situation for tonight, and we can even throw New England in because they responded big time. The Tennessee Titans, which was my best bet, and then I'll throw. Baltimore in there as well too so you know teams that we thought okay they laid an egg in week one hey how good are these teams I think they're going to bounce back and those teams that I just mentioned all shined big time yesterday yeah absolutely and but they all didn't cover the spread you know you talked Cleveland Cleveland didn't right 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 that's right so I mean uh, and I thought some of those teams that you mentioned actually didn't need to bounce back because they certainly probably exceeded expectations in week one. Let's not forget that Dallas Cowboys ended up going off a nine, nine-and-a-half-point underdog and had the lead with under a minute to go in that game. So they certainly exceeded expectations despite the fact that they lost week one. The one team that I thought really did need to rebound was the Buffalo Bills, and boy, did they rebound in a major way uh, with that shutout victory over the Miami. Miami Dolphins yesterday. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about that game. You know, when you look at Miami, I mean, they put up zero. And I understand that Tua got hurt. And, you know, I'm not a big Tua guy to begin with anyway. But, again, I thought it was just a great spot for Buffalo, only laying three and a half, you know, on the road. And, you know, with the weapons they have and the high expectations, you just figure that the Buffalo Bills were going to come out ready to go. And let's face it, there are going to be plenty of Buffalo Bills fans down in South Florida. But it was somewhat shocking, the relative ease that they won this game. And for NFL team, Matt, to get the big Z on the board, that's, that's shocking. Yeah, in this day and age, really shocking. You don't see a lot of shutouts in 2021 NFL, so certainly an amazing performance for the Buffalo Bills offense and defense yesterday. Obviously the most impressive performance of Week 2. All right, let's talk about the Raiders. They get the job done 26 to 17. We just heard from John Gruden and Derek Carr and uh you know talking about how this team really is despite the injuries they have right now. I mean, the chemistry seems to be really good to to not only get to be 2 and 0, but 2 and 0 against 
two perennial playoff teams in the Baltimore Ravens and then going in Pittsburgh and getting that victory done. How much do you do you put into this victory that the Raiders had yesterday, getting six and a half points and winning on the road against a Steelers team that maybe isn't as good as, as we thought? Look, this Raiders team, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is the best team in terms of differential actual differential on the field in scoring compared to what the point spread said. So they were a four-point underdog in game one, a six, six-and-a-half, some places, point underdog in game two, yet they won by nine yesterday, so a plus 15 versus the point spread yesterday. I think game one was uh, plus seven, so plus 22 against the point spread for the Las Vegas Raiders at this point. I know it's a small sample size with two games, but there are two quality teams, one on the road, one at home. I think it's fair to say that the Raiders were the most underestimated team in football compared to their actual performances thus far early in the season. Even though the Raiders were, you know, they were dogs in both of these games, and we talked about how possibly that you know with getting so much Raider money here you get like a lot of square money has that been the case in the first two games with the Raiders well they got a lot of money week one we saw that line go as high as four and a half and drop all the way down to three by game time but not all of it was Raider love some of that money was the fact that the Baltimore Ravens were announcing a new uh, running back basically every single day The feeling was, well, this Baltimore team, which is so predicated on being able to run the football, they could really struggle Lamar Jackson if he's forced to throw the football. So I think that's where all the Raider money came in week one. And really, that's come to fruition in both games. Lamar Jackson has struggled to throw the football consistently in both games. In fact, opening with a pick six against the Chiefs through multiple interceptions again yesterday. But Baltimore was able to come back and get the job done in the second half. Um, the Raiders have just been unbelievable, and they're doing it in un-Raider-like fashion. You know, this was a team that was thought to have a, a bottom-five defense and a consistently slightly than better average offense. Not a great offense, not even a really good offense, but a slightly better-than-average offense that can help cover some of the holes for a really bad defense. But so far, that defense is playing unbelievably well for the Raiders. The problem is we saw them get off to a hot start two years ago. We saw them get off to a hot start last year. What this Raiders team has not been able to do in any season yet under John Gruden is sustain their early season success into the second half. It's going to be really interesting to see if Gruden figures some things out this year because this isn't the first time we've seen the Raiders get off to a hot start under Coach Gruden. Yeah, 2-0 and last year. We talked about that. And they were 6-2 and on the road last year. Think about that. 2-0 and to start the season. A team goes 6-2 and on the road. You're thinking, well, this team is a playoff team. It's probably a division winner. You know, obviously, you're in the same division as Kansas City. But when you're 6-2 and on the road and you get a 2-0 and start, I mean, just shows you the collapse that this team has not only had last year, but in years past, same type of thing. Yeah, you're right, and they have to get over that hump this year. The problem is it's hard to figure out because they look so good early. 
has Gruden changed anything? Because this has been the M.O. for the Raiders under Gruden. Hut start after hut start with a team fading down the stretch. Now, the answer is why, I mean, I guess the question is, why do they fade down the stretch? And if we knew the answer to that question, maybe we could, you know, see if there's any changes being made. But we don't really know the answer to that question. What we do know is ride the Raiders first half of the season under Coach Gruden because they are hot every single year. I don't see any reason why things are going to turn around for Oakland in the next, I mean, for the Las Vegas in the next few weeks. The history shows us they tend to stay hot early in the season, and I expect that they will for at least another few weeks. Yeah, especially next week. They're hosting Miami with their quarterback uh, problems there, so fully expect the Raiders to be 3-0. and But, you know, back to your, your point or your comment about, you know, what, what is it? And I think, you know, we've heard Gruden point, I'll say point or make excuses about injuries, and we heard a lot about that last year. And and I don't like buying that because everybody has injuries, especially in the second half of the season. And let's point to Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore, like you said, week one, they had, they had no running backs. They just signed to Latavius Murray three days before he came in here and nearly won the game. Heck, they, they blew a 14-point lead. And then last night, even though they didn't lead until the final you know, minute, uh, they got the victory 36-35 with even more injuries than they had the week before. So I think a good team can overcome injuries, and I think that's where the problem lies with the Raiders. They just don't have the depth, and we've talked before about you know maybe uh, the, the drafting by Mike Mayock hasn't you know been good, and they've been reaching. And when you reach for guys that maybe you can get the third and fourth round, you pick them in the first or the second round. Well, that is where the depth problems occur. So uh, I think you know that's that's really where it's at. They just don't have that deep of a roster. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it is roster roster depth certainly an issue. Um, could be something about the way they practice and. Some of that stuff, but we'll have to see uh, coming up this week. Interesting, you know, I was looking. I have two entries in the Circus Survivor. I put both on Tampa Bay this week. Um, Green Bay being the number two pick, they go tonight. Uh, I think it was Cleveland was the number one pick this week. I, I decided not to use either of those teams because they play on Christmas and or Thanksgiving Day. In fact, Cleveland and Green Bay both play on Christmas, which is treated as its own week in the Circa contest. But with, you know, not a lot of upsets yesterday, but with Pittsburgh losing, it was, I think, over 290 people going out yesterday. We're over a thousand entries eliminated already in the first two weeks. And to put that into perspective, TC, for the listeners, that's over a million dollars worth of entries into Circa Survivor that are already dead and gone. Wow. And, again, and that's some great handicapping on your part, too, to look ahead like that. Because I know a lot, I mean, if you take this you know, seriously, which you do, and, you know, a professional gambler, I mean, you have to really you know, do your homework and look ahead, especially in this survivor situation. I know a lot of guys just casually think, okay, this is uh, this is the week one blowout. I'm going to use this team. But again, it is it is uh, not the way to go. I mean, you have to be really diligent, you know, in your future forecasting. Yeah, and the fact that Circa, uh, unlike any other survivor contest we've seen in the past, actually designates that Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day are treated as their own weeks and if you don't have a team available to select on that day, on one of those days, you're automatically out. 
Well, there's only two games on Christmas. You know, Cleveland at Green Bay and one other game. So you have four teams to choose from. Why would you start using them so early in the season? You're going to end up potentially getting to Christmas Day and being eliminated because you used up all those teams. I hope everybody read the rules right. In a contest where you're competing for $10 million and putting up $1,000, you would hope people would read those rules. But if they did, why would Cleveland and Green Bay be the number one and number two most selected picks this week? Oof, seemed a little crazy to me. Yeah, and that that is strange. And I, you know, why would that be a standalone? Because, you know, Christmas Day is on a Saturday. I mean, why wouldn't that just be part of the weekend? I think they're just trying to add weeks. So I, okay. the first year they did it, multiple people made it through the season, which is crazy because think of all those years that on a much smaller scale, Stations Casinos used to run that $25 entry, Survivor Leagues, and it thing would be over by like week 13 a lot of times, yet Circa one runs them for $1,000 and they have like seven people make it through. So in order to try to make it more difficult, they actually added that Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day will be treated as its own weeks. So instead of there being 17 weeks worth of selections you have to pick, there's 19. So you're going to end up using 19 of the 32 teams. Wow. Matt Holt joins us. Uh, speaking of uh, the contest, uh, Matt, I mean, you know, the circus got their big one, the, the Westgate uh, uh, as well here. And we've heard, you know, the William Hill with the college side, they had a big time overlay as well, too. And kind of explain that uh, to our listeners in layman's terms, you know, what that means for those books being on the hook of, of, of losing money. Well, I think they'll all be okay because the contests have been a proven success in terms of driving people to those properties. But what it basically means is they guaranteed to pay out more money than they took in in entry fees. In the case of Circa, they guaranteed to pay out $10 million, which means they'd have to take in 10,000 entry fees at $1,000 apiece, and they failed to do so, and thus they're going to be on the hook for whatever the overlay was. I think in the case of Circa, it was like $2.7 million. Um, William Hill, too, with their college contest, guaranteed a certain amount of money, and they didn't get enough entries to get it. The good thing is those contests bring people to your app every week. They bring people to your properties every week. So there's certain, uh, you know, it's certainly advantageous to those places to be able to garner future revenue from those customers. Otherwise, they wouldn't make such large guarantees. Kind of like radio shows, right? Bringing radio shows to the property, right? That's it. There, there you, you go. go. That's the way to do it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk about tonight's game: the Packers and the Lions. Green Bay, eleven and a half point favorite. The total forty nine. Like you said, a lot of people using the Packers in the Survivor Series. I'm one of those guys too that feels like hey, this is this is a, a Packer victory here. I know a lot of people of you know panic mode. Uh, Packer fans and NFL fans thinking, okay, all the drama that took place in the offseason, Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I take this just like the Buffalo Bills situation. I think the Packers get right tonight. They're uh, facing a very friendly team for the Packers who have dominated in the past. Rodgers has lit up Detroit uh, you know, over the last few years. 21 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Green Bay has beaten Detroit to nine out of the last 11 home games, and Green Bay has won eight home openers. Uh, it's raining right now in Green Bay as we speak, but uh, my weather forecast and my people there in Green Bay say it's going to subside. 72 degrees around kickoff. Uh, you know, The track may be a little bit uh, you know, wet there tonight, but how do you uh, how do you handicap this game tonight, Matt? Well, similar 
similar to the Cleveland Browns, who everybody was on this week, but didn't cover the spread, laying double digits in the NFL is a risky, risky proposition. In fact, I think if you lay double digits with every team since 1985, you only hit 42%, so you lost 58% of your bets plus the VIG. That's a really bad proposition over time there. Um, this number feels a little bit high. I get it's a rebound spot for for Green Bay, and maybe the 10-point spread would have been warranted here. But it's up to 11-and-a-half, 12 at this point as the bets continue to roll in on the Green Bay Packers from the general public in this game. What really worries me is I could certainly see Green Bay being up 14, 17 points late in this game. But, heck, Green, I mean, Detroit was down more points than that to the San Francisco 49ers and came screaming back late. What have we seen in NFL recent years? No lead is safe. These teams don't know how to milk away clocks during the passing era. The one thing that has changed in the NFL is teams build these big leads by throwing the football. And then they get a three-score lead in the fourth quarter, and they don't know how to run the football effectively to burn clock because the only way they got that lead was by throwing the football. And thus we see big lead after big lead after big lead evaporate in the fourth quarter, including the Kansas City Chiefs, who were up 35-24 to in the fourth quarter and ended up losing 36-35 in that game. It just happens all the time. What I worry about in this game is Detroit fired up San Fran last week late. They have a veteran quarterback in Jared Goff. They have a few weapons there. I could see a situation where Green Bay's up 37 to 24 late, but Green Bay gets that, but Detroit scores a touchdown late and covers all these numbers. So I went ahead and looked at the props on this game because I thought it was a very scary spot to play the side. In fact, the only way I could play the side was if I actually took the Detroit Lions plus the 11-and-a-half because I thought the actual back door was so um, Inviting, was so right? Could happen. Could happen, yeah. Real quick, Matt, uh, give me a prop or two that you like tonight. So I play total field goals over three-and-a-half here. Both teams are supposed to score a lot of points. To your point, it rained all morning, so the track's going to be a little bit slow there. And in a game that's supposed to have a lot of possessions, supposed to have a lot of passing yards, supposed to have a lot of yards up and down the field if they get to the end at red zone and stall we're supposed to get a bunch of scores and i'm getting plus 130 on the over three and a half so i went ahead and took a shot on that field goal prop yeah two good kickers as well too i mean you know mason crosby he's automatic especially at home so all right brother great stuff as usual and of course you can see matt's uh, plays up on the website at tcmartinshow.com under our best bets uh, part of our Long time panel for a long time. I appreciate you, brother, and uh, good luck tonight. All right, TC. Thanks, man. Feeling the pain for the Pac-12 this morning, my friend. Good luck, everybody. Take care. I know, and I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on some college football, but uh, we're going to have to reconvene hopefully maybe later in the week and and talk about that. Okay, brother? Anytime. You got it. There it is. Good stuff. Yeah. Man, uh, Alabama. They were they had a dog fight, nearly lost that game, almost went overtime against Florida, Ohio State. They struggled against Tulsa. And what's up with Clemson? Clemson, 14 to 8. Jeez, that's crazy. Uh, they scored three against Georgia and then 14 against uh, Georgia Tech. Some of those Georgia teams they're playing. And then, like Matt said, back to UCLA getting beat by. Stevie Slapshot, Stevie what, uh, Sidearm, Sidearm, what it was, Stiff Arm, Stifler's Mother, Slapshot, Stevie, whatever. 
Fresno State, his Bulldogs. What's he doing saying go dogs? I mean, come on. Yeah. Wow, double B. What's what's wrong with your UCLA Bruins, huh? Jeez. All right, we come back. Get a little funny on. Dennis Gaxiola, our resident comedian, he's going to join us. Sam the Man Gordon from the RJ is going to join us next hour. We start diving into more Raider talk. Also, we'll talk about UNLV's game against Iowa State Saturday night. We were there for that. And the Las Vegas Aces. Yes, clinch the number two overall playoff seed. They're healthy. They're ready to go. T.C. Martin on a Monday. Don't you dare go anywhere.